2: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want my friends? I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. At the end of a completely crazy week, a day where the Dow ultimately dipped 21 points, S&P gained 0.52%, but NASDAQ jumped 1.58%, we need to talk about today's red-hot employment. There was only one word for it, and it was horrific. Yep, when the Fed starts tightening, we enter the, the bizarro world, where good is bad and bad is good. Today's terrific jobs report means that the Fed has to raise rates, and maybe quickly. The Wall Street Playbook says you should be selling a whole host of stocks in this kind of news, but that didn't happen today. And I wonder if it's because maybe we've already sold off in anticipation of a series of rate hikes and maybe we're getting a little immunized. We already knew that the economy was overheating, that the Fed would have to raise rates, but we didn't expect that strong unemployment number. So we could actually take some time to smell the roses, roses like Amazon, which people bought at all costs, same way they sold Facebook at all costs yesterday, because we have a little window before the Fed can move. Now, when you see a gargantuan stock like Amazon up 13.5 percent in a day, you need to be thinking of it like an IPO. Brokers are fighting to get their hands on a fixed quantity of stock in the end. And there are just so, so few sellers and so many large buyers. When Amazon broke out above 3,100, I said it could rally easily another 100 points. Turns out we already got halfway there by the close. I knew this would happen because institutional buyers lose all discipline at moments like this. They want the stock so desperately that they just stop being sensitive to price. We got the same thing after hours when Peloton spiked after we heard some chatter that Amazon might be considering a takeover bid, among others. There's no price they won't stop buying it. We saw the flip side of that yesterday with Meta Facebook. Yesterday, it was down at 250. OK, already big, big decline. I knew there were accounts willing to dump it as low as 237. That's incredible. But their minds were already made up. They didn't care what price they got. You care. I care. They didn't. What does it mean? It means we have to be very careful about high-flying stocks when we scrutinize our game plan for next week, because if they go bad, it's Katie, Barr, the door. And there's only been a couple that have—and we'll go over them later—that really have made it so that you're okay in high-priced earnings, high price to sales stories. On well, Monday, I hope j busy because we're going to hear from Tyson Foods, the meat company that's at the epicenter of our current food shortage. Now, I don't expect to find out why my wife couldn't get bacon or butter bacon cheeseburger last week, but I do expect to hear about the herds and how much they cost to maintain versus kill. Uh, next, are people still gaming with the fervor that we saw earlier in the pandemic? We talk about this every minute of the day, even with ATT. Well, we'll find out when take two interactive reports after the close, because Charles Zelnick is the straightest of straight shooters. And if it's, if weaker, wicked, he's just gonna say it. We'll also find out about how shopping's going on at the mall. This is a really easy, good conference call it's from Simon Property Group. They do it the best, they tell the truth. It's seven pages, you can get through it. Tuesday's a curious ad mixture. We have a bunch of healthcare stories at once. There's Centene, the health insurance specialty uh, that, one that specializes in government sponsored programs. I think it's takeover target. I still think it can go higher. And same goes, well, yeah, we're gonna figure out what Pfizer's gonna do. It's gonna be fantastic, but. Well, I don't think anyone's going to really buy it off the quarter. Now, the one I care the most about on Tuesday is Chipotle because I think it could do low double-digit same-store sales versus last year's already excellent numbers. And that should cause the stock to ignite. Raw costs are always a problem in the business, though, but I think that it's going to be respectable. I worry about raw costs at DuPont, too. The great industrials have had a real up and down time in this market. And I fear this could be DuPont's downtime, which is why we finally decided to ring the register for a terrific profit for the charitable trust. It was just too difficult to own a bunch of these industrials. We're walking around with men. We never seem to really get a handle on them right now. How could we have a handle on a business when the people running the companies may not have it themselves? And then there's Peloton, the stock that everyone has given up on, except the users. We need the air clear. We need to know what they said, why they didn't raise any money. uh, And then I said they didn't need to raise money. And then they raise money, which is why the stock collapsed. And now, on top of all that, the Wall Street Journal is reporting after the bell that Amazon has approached the company about a potential deal. I doubt they made that story up. Will they face the music and bike? OK, I thought of it midday. I had to use it. Wednesday could uh, lead to some fireworks. Like at first, I expect a very good quarter from CBS, COVID testing, what happens next? Have they monetized the vaccination seekers? That would take it to the next level, maybe 110, 120. Also in the morning, here's an aisle on PepsiCo. The stock came in today for what I regard as no good reason. I'd be a buyer ahead of the quarter. Then after the close, we get the most controversial story of the week, and that is Disney. The Travel Trust owns it. And you can hear my comments about from this uh, afternoon's investing club meeting. I think Disney isn't getting enough credit for its incredibly valuable intellectual property. This isn't Netflix. It isn't Facebook. It's a -a once-in-a-kind growth vehicle. It is not stagnant. It is not dead. And that's why I'd like to build a bigger position ahead of the quarter for my trust. We have had another Wednesday that's been very good for us. Mattel! Yeah, I think there could be a whole new slate of toys and entertainment from CEO Enon Krizz, who's been the turnaround whiz. Have you seen that stock? I said this morning Coca-Cola should have a good quarter, and we find out next Thursday. I want to know about the joint efforts with Molson Coors to make the hard-to-stock Topo Chico hard seltzer. I think this is the next big spike. Next what? Twitter. Now is Twitter the next Facebook? It will be the next Amazon. Is it the next Google? How about Pinterest? I think we'll find out that it remains the same old plotting Twitter when it reports a company that has nothing we truly want to pay up for. Isn't that the problem? The stock comes down enough to de-risk a disaster, but that's certainly not a reason to buy it. If you paid to have someone to take out all the terrible stuff, well, that would be good. But no one, they're not going to do that for you. Want a high multiple stock that used to be a fantastic momentum play? Hey, I got, we got an important test case Thursday. We got two of them. First, Cloudflare reports. Cloudflare, remember that? That thing never took a break. It's all about streaming growth. The cybersecurity angle, when it ran north of $200 in the fall, it was one of the most expensive stocks in the entire market. And then it led on the way down when these stocks fell out of favor. I do expect great numbers, but I don't expect anyone to care. Zendesk also reports Thursday this is an also ran provider of cloud based customer relationship management software, which peaked almost exactly a year ago. There wasn't much to be interested in here until they decided to acquire Momentive, the company formerly known as SurveyMonkey, in October. Then an activist investor, Jana Partners, got involved and urged them to, uh, no to the deal. Jana's very powerful. We're going to look for an update on that situation when they report. They were all over us to tell us it was a great deal. Okay, Friday we get the results from Under Armour, and there's lots of good buzz about this one. So, so, so much so that I think it's actually terrific speculation going in the quarter. We keep hearing about a potential turnaround. Maybe this time it's going it's to happen. And then we have two really intriguing cyclicals. Both of them have been on the show a couple of times. I want to spend a second on Cleveland Cliffs and Goodyear Tire. You know that I've liked and praised both of them. I think the Goodyear will positively dazzle. Many are looking for a huge shortfall from Cleveland Cliffs the uh, iron ore company that became a major steel producer. Like Newcore, the fantastic steel maker we own for the trust, I'm betting, actually, the Cleveland Cliffs will do a decent number. Vertically integrated, uh, integrated can make a heck of a lot more money than they used to, cleaned up balance sheet, good management. Bottom line. This week, we saw the true colors of what is a treacherous market. Specifically, we learned it has a bipolar disorder. Now, I think that the best text for this market isn't really financial. It's uh, Kay Redfield-Jameson's An Unquiet Mind. And if you don't believe me, there's no level it won't be taken up to. But if it's hated, there are no depths it won't sink to. Either way, boy, that is unquiet mind to a T. It's likely to be an extreme. Kevin in Missouri. Kevin! Hey, first-time caller, so thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um So my question's around Abbott Laboratories. Uh, back in March of 2021, um, you remember they announced that $255 million contract um, with the uh, Binax now rapid COVID test. So, in December, when I heard uh, about all the shortages and the demand was higher than ever, um, I ended up buying uh, close to 300 shares at 140 a share. Really? It's, okay. Yeah, it's dropped $11 um, just today. So I, or, I mean, not just today, no, but up today. to $11. Well, I'll tell uh, you, I, I, I said some very positive things about it today at the Investment Club. I said that they, rate, they did a lot of money, made a lot of money from X now, but they are going to get no credit for it. So they have to basically do something with that money, deploy it somehow, and then it will be fine. In the meantime, the Libra, the diabetes, uh, uh, the, the glucose monitor is selling very well. That's the reason to own it. Let's go to Kurt in Virginia. Kurt. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Long time
3: well. and first time caller. And Jim, I love your enthusiasm. I'm retired, but I used to schlep a lot of office products in my day, and I can relate to you. And I like taking schnitzels to take care of my RMDs in my 401ks but kicking the tires Jim I was out looking for a PC walked in Best Buy it's been a while pretty impressive store did end up buying a PC with uh, the lady you like the Ryzen 5 AMD processor they have that
2: subscription service total Shame your thoughts is there one? I think it's stock? so right I think that that uh, I should think that Corey Barry's totally under I'm going to get her on the show why three percent yield they're going to have a good quarter. there are a lot of people who feel that maybe we are what we've bought all the equipment we need to be able to stay home and do things you know that's not the case Kurt i 've got to tell you I think under one hundred I find it a quizzical price because the stock used to be at one forty and it's very good. Decent balance sheet, great supply chain. I'm with you. I think that I think that BBY is a winner. All right. This week we learned a lot about the true colors of this treacherous market, didn't we? Uh, if a stock is loved, there's no level it won't be taken to. Oh, but if it's hated, there's no depths it won't go. It's an unquiet-minded market. On Mad Money tonight, after reporting a strong fourth quarter, could Columbia Sportswear continue to dress your portfolio for success? I'm talking to the CEO. Then, this has been by far the hardest-earning season in recent memory. So what can we learn for it? Because there's a twist that's dragging things down. And could a company supporting laboratories across the world be what the portfolio needs in this market? I'm talking to the CEO of Waters. So stay with Kramer.
4: Don't miss a second of Mad Money.
0: Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsor job credit to get your jobs more. Vis- Visibility at indeed.com/slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: For months I've been telling you it's time to circle the wagons around companies that make real things and earn real profits. Companies like Columbia Sportswear. The apparel and footwear maker you might recognize is Columbia Sorrel Mountain Hardware Prana. Last night, Columbia turned in a remarkable quarter, delivering a monster 60-cent earnings beat off of $1.79 basis, higher than expected sales, up 23% year-over-year. Unlike so many other retailers that are struggling with skyrocketing costs, these guys actually gave you some excellent margin expansion. Even better, management issued a very strong full-year forecast, and that's how the stock is about like 5% today. Even after this move, though, you know, it still sells at less than 17 times the midpoint of, of this year's earnings forecast, down $20 from its all-time high set last April. You know, I think that means it's got room to run. There are not many other apparel companies that are putting up these numbers. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Tim Boyle. He's the chairman and CEO of Columbia Sportswear. Get a better read on the quarter and the outlook for the future. Mr. Boyle, welcome back to Mad Money.
3: Thanks, Jim. It's great to to be here, and thank you for including us.
2: Of course. Now, Tim, I've got to tell you, uh, the numbers you reported were absolutely excellent. And that was from top to bottom. 23% growth I mentioned, but this margin expansion, everyone else is being squeezed. What are the contributors to make it so that you can take price, basically, and not get hurt?
3: Well, it's really, at the end of the day, the power of our brands. And, you know, in today's environment, where there was so much impact on supply chain shortages all really all over the world, I think we were helped a bit because consumers moved earlier to buy whatever they needed for their holiday or winter products. And, uh, and so that made for lack of promotional activity in our stores and also through our, our retail partners. Their, their promotions were, were smaller as well. So I think it was generally a good environment. And we, we really had a team here that worked diligently to try and go through some of these bottlenecks that, that everybody else was facing. I think we just did a better job.
2: Well, you mentioned just now your partners that you hold to. You did something really interesting that I thought people should do. You wrote, in order to support our retail partners during peak Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales period, we made the decision to constrain U.S. e-commerce marketing, slow online demand. You actually are finally someone who's not undercutting the people whom you need to sell products.
3: Well, you know, I've been at this business a long time. The company's long-time long family company. So I've been here a long time. And our customers who gave us orders a year ago were expecting us to perform for them to get stuff to their stores so they could be successful. And we, we take that important uh, confidence uh, with, with a great amount of, uh, you know, character. Sure. And we want to make sure that we've done everything we promised we would do. You know, there was, there was little we could do, frankly, on the supply chain to make dramatic changes. But anything we could do to make our, our customers perform better, we wanted to do it. Well,
2: I think it's going to build long-lasting goodwill. I, I don't think other, not everybody did that. Now, I feel remiss. I have not spent much time at all talking about some of the brands that are just doing incredibly well. But Mountainware, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing. Why haven't I focused on Mountain Hardware? The, the numbers are extraordinary, Tim.
3: Well, you know, uh, Jim, we've been very open when we, when we believe that we've underperformed. I think if you remember our European business for years lagged right. behind where, where it is today and where it should be in the future. And Mountain Hardware was similar. We just sort of lost our way with that brand. We brought in a new team to manage it. And frankly, they've done a spectacular job. And so we're coming back at the business with a much stronger position it's one that we want to make sure we talk about when we're confident that we can really perform and, and that brand is coming along very strong.
2: The another one I watch I watched a lot of football and I saw a lot of ads for Heat. Now football actually performed. We finally had something on TV that more people watched than we thought. So I therefore have to believe that Omni Heat also might be performing pretty well.
3: Yeah, it really was spectacular. It was a, It's a real interesting uh, character of our products. It's a technology that we developed in-house, so it's not like Gore-Tex that's maybe available through many, many brands. OmniHeat Perfect. Reflective and the Infinity version has is, is really been a, a real game-changer for us and been tremendously successful.
2: Now, you are more confident than most. I've been dealing with too many retailers who say, look, I can't even talk about whether the futures could be good or bad. I felt that your guidance for 2022 was really, a, 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 you expect a really good year this year, don't you?
3: We do. And, and much of it is, is based on the fact that we have a quite broad omni-channel right. business. So we sell to a lot of retailers globally. We've got orders from those retailers already which are going to basically fill our order book this year. So it gives us a great amount of confidence in our future. We also have our own business, our own retail business. But frankly, our preference is to sell to other retailers and to have our brands stand out. And so, you know, all the brands are doing spectacular. I, we'll probably talk about Sorel at some point in time today. But uh, that's also one that's doing it incredibly well.
2: Well, I was going to ask General uh, Footwear, up double-digit, uh, two hundred eighty-four million dollars. I mean, Tim, these are some extraordinary numbers, which includes Sorrel. Obviously, I mean, we have a display here. Uh, everyone knows him. I mean, it's a kind of at one point I thought it was boutique. I don't really think it's a boutique brand.
3: No, it's not. And uh, you know, it's interesting when we bought the brand back in two thousand. We paid about $9 million oh. for it. It was really a men's workwear brand. And the team at Sorrel has really transformed it into a women's fashion brand. Our biggest customers now are Nordstrom, uh, Zappos and other, you know, high fashion areas uh, that that we're just so proud of. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's got, it's got legs. So we're very thrilled with it. And, Frankly, it would have been much bigger this year had the supply chain not been a disruption to our business. Well,
2: you surprised me there in a positive way. When you started saying uh, our biggest customers are, I was waiting to hear my wife's name (laughs) because that's all she wears. And I don't think that's unusual anymore. You converted a lot of people to a product that everyone regards as being an inexpensive, fantastic fashion boot. I, no, one's, no one else has gotten that. Really, my hat's off to you to, to really take a brand that you, I didn't know how little you paid for it, and make it into a sensation. It's really fantastic
3: numbers. Well, it's, it's all our team, honestly. I would love to take credit for it, but it's a, it's a great group of people that work really hard.
2: Well, anyway, look. I'm so glad you had a good season. I'm so, so thrilled. You are always got. To, you have a conscience. You care about your partners, and you're doing better than everybody else. Maybe it says something. That's Tim Boyle, Columbia Sportswear Company Chairman, President, CEO, and longtime friend of Mad Money. It is so good to see you, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. It's great numbers, guys. Looking for a retailer? Great numbers. Mad Money's back after the break. Let's just admit it. I mean, this has been one of the hardest earning seasons in recent memory. The house of pain. After the New Year started off with a bang, the bang of a hideous market-wide sell-off, <laughs> we hoped that earnings would be a positive catalyst for the stock market. But this earnings season has been, let's say, I don't be too pejorative. How about complicated? While we've had many more upside surprises and downside surprises, I'm talking about many more, we've also seen some truly horrific High profile blow ups that I'm talking Netflix, PayPal, Spotify, Meta, Facebook. When I say this is the hardest earning season in recent memory, though, what I mean is that it's the most difficult to process. We're having a very hard time figuring out what's good or bad on a day to day basis. It, it, it just keeps throwing curveballs at us. Normally, if you compare the results to the estimates, Smith's list of the conference calls, it's not that hard to tell who's winning. And in a typical earnings season, the analysts, what happens? Well, the numbers come out, the, they beat the estimates, then the analysts raise the estimates, and then they boost the price targets for the winners. And that's, what you, that's how you get a higher stock price. It is. That results in higher stock price the vast majority of the time, not this time. Now we have a new confounding factor. Analysts who are stuck with two high price targets coming into earnings season. So when the market tumbled from late November through late January, starting with a high multiple stocks, then spreading nearly everything, most stocks came down substantially. But there were no company-specific catalysts. The whole thing was indeed a Fed-mandated sector rotation, if you want to be that cynical, which meant the analysts didn't really have a legitimate reason to cut their estimates of their price targets. Unfortunately, that meant as earnings season got rolling, their price targets came in way too high. And that is terrible. It shows fear. These are targets they came out with before the Fed decided to get tough on inflation in November and changed the whole character of the stock market. Think this. And then think this. Now that these companies are reporting, the analysts have to cut. And they cut hard without looking like idiots. But that's created a very weird situation. We're seeing companies report strong earnings with raised guidance, and then the analysts who cover them will slash their price targets, which creates a sense that maybe the quarter wasn't as good as it looked. Remember, you're supposed to beat the earnings, raise the forecast, and then the analysts boost the price target. But they couldn't because the price target was way too high. I want to make sure you understand what's really going on with these companies because it's too easy to be thrown off by these analysts who are simply trying to play catch up with a very changed market. So why don't we start with one we all love called ServiceNow. Okay? NOW, the cloud-based enterprise software company with a stock that could do no wrong until the Fed hit the brakes and the whole growth edifice collapsed. By the time ServiceNow reported last Wednesday, oh my God, it seems like it's forever, Bill McDermott, the stock had fallen from 7.07 in November, to 484. Nothing had happened at the company. Nothing. Then the company went on to deliver a truly great quarter. Every line item of significance came in better than expected. Management also gave you a very robust forecast. In short, this is as close to an unassailable quarter as you're likely to see from a cloud software stock, numero uno. And what happens? While there are some analysts raising numbers, the bulk of the ones who cover ServiceNow had to cut their price targets. Well, that's not the way a stock goes up. Before the quarter, the average price target stood at 719, now stands at 687. Now, it didn't stop the stock from roaring higher, but it might have discouraged you. I know it discouraged some investors. Ooh, price target cut. I'm saying there's no need for confusion. ServiceNow did great. You just might not have known it if you were taking your cue from your favorite analyst. So the same thing with a, with a couple of guys who were on the show, Qualtrics. OK, Qualtrics International, it's another cloud software company that put in a strong quarter. was greeted with a mass price target cut. Again, didn't stop the stock from roaring. Did keep a lot of people out of it. Thermo Fisher, you know we had them on this week. Arms dealer to the life sciences, to industry. Uh, Thermo Fisher shot the lights out. Massive upside surprise, although much of that was indeed from COVID testing. So we don't know how sustainable that is. Still, the numbers were excellent. Yet Wells Fargo used this as an opportunity to slash its price target from 700 to 605. You would have thought Thermo Fisher stunk up the joint. Not true. But that price cut really hurt. And it was just because the price target was already too high. We got two more of these. Uh, Unity software and build.com. Unity is the video game technology company that knocked it out of the park, allowing stock to jump 17 percent. Yet the consensus price target for the stock has now fallen from 174 to 158. This was easily one of the best quarters of earnings season. Yet the analysts are going negative because, well, uh, they didn't have the creditors to slash their price targets earlier into the teeth of the Fed mandated sell off when they should have cut them. Bill.com is a cloud based software company. You might have heard about it. It's mentioned a couple times today. It's similar to ServiceNow. Their numbers were so spectacular that the stock skyrocketed 36% today. Big short position, by the way. Yet, once again, I saw some major price target cuts. Opco, 370 to 285. Bill.com's rallying like it just caught a takeover bid. But some of these analysts are still trying to play catch up well, to where we were two weeks ago when the growth stocks like this were untouchable. It's no longer the case. So, what do these names have in common? They're from some of the hardest hit groups during the market-wide meltdown. That's why the analysts feel like they need to play catch up with the new negativity, even in the face of fabulous results. When you look outside these groups, there's a lot more clarity. And I like this. I mean, look, it's not like every excellent quarter was greeted with price-target Take United Health. Take, uh, take uh, UPS. UnitedHealth, best-of-breed health insurer, stock I really love, wish I went for the travel trust, reported one of the first unambiguously great results this time around. Management told a great story about the strength of their Optum technology and data analytics division. I think it's worth the, whole, the price of the whole darn company. At the same time, UNH told us that they're taking share with their Medicare Advantage policies, something Wall Street was worried about because competitor Humana previously reported some hideous medical advantage numbers. Turns out they were losing business to UNH. It didn't hurt that the company also announced a $5 to $6 billion buyback for the year. Because UNH operates in an industry that's immunized against raw cost inflation and rate hikes, in fact, this is exactly the kind of stock you buy if, you, if you're really worried the Fed wants to kill the economy, there was no ambiguity from the analyst community. UNH's terrific quarter was greeted was with terrific price target bumps. And that's why the stock just had a great move and has continued to do so. Finally, there's UPS United Parcel. It doesn't feel like a lifetime ago that UPS reported on Tuesday morning. Results were phenomenal. Everyone was terrified that this company would have a rough time because they usually botch the fourth quarter. Too many Christmas packages. So they have to hire lots of expensive temporary work. After the great Carl Tobay took over in the summer of 2020, they successfully navigated the fourth quarter last year. But this time around, we were supposed to be in the middle of a supply chain crisis. But once again, they knocked it out of the park. Under Tamei's leadership, Big Brown no longer pursues market share at all costs. She's disciplined about what business she takes. If you don't like her prices, she's happy to let you go elsewhere. Turns out a disciplined UPS is an insanely profitable UPS, 35% earnings growth. Profitability allowed Tamei to push to a 49% dividend boost. The response from the analysts was almost universally positive because they know this kind of stock is very, very much in style on the Wall Street fashion show. But here's the bottom line. When you're trying to analyze a quarter, you can no longer rely on how the analysts are reacting because of what I'm calling legacy decision making. There are some sectors that will get hit with waves of price target cuts, regardless of the quality results, simply because the analysts need to play catch up with the stock market. Not because they don't share the buyer's enthusiasm, but it will fake you out of some really good opportunities. Pam in Connecticut, Pam. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, yeah, Pam.
0: Thanks for taking my call. I sold put options which expire next month in Mercado Libre that would put me long at 1096, with the market being unfor- unforgiving to grow stocks that don't grow, along with people counting a slowdown in e-commerce, I considered exiting the trade. But with yesterday's solid earnings beat in Amazon, I'm thinking there's still yet plenty of growth in e-commerce, especially in emerging markets like Latin America. They're going into earnings next month. Should I keep my position in Melly or sell the balance?
2: I don't like your position. And the reason I don't like your position, just so you know, is is that it's out of your control because you sold puts. And I don't want you to have to come in and have a Meta platforms rather than an Amazon. So I need you to try to readjust or take some of the risk away because that is going to be, Pam, it could be difficult if there's a real blow up like we've seen in PayPal and like we've seen in Meta. Let's go to Nelson in Florida. Nelson. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Yo, Chill Man has been very chill lately.
3: What's up? So I'm following the playbook. I'm looking for that value. I got a PE of six, very cheap among its peers. I got a dividend, 3%, not bad. And I got a buyback. But now I got a buyback that's paused, an Asian trading debt that had some problems. And the fan club for the management team is losing fans by the day. I got Citigroup. Is that value trap or
2: is it horse sense? I think it's a nothing. I think that it doesn't have any of the growth that I want from a bank. It doesn't have the deposits. It doesn't have the uh, consistency. It's a total show-me situation. It sells well below tangible book, which concerns me because the gap has been way too long. And that fourth quarter, they had things, charges, things I did not understand. I do not need that, sir, because I have things like Bank of America. I've got things like Wells Fargo. And I got Morgan Stanley. And those are the ones you need to be in. Even though Citi looks cheap, it could stay cheap. What can I say? It's just too hard too hard to own a city. What a crazy complicated earnings season. I hope you now understand that one of the most important takeaways from the wild action is that you can't rely on the analysts anymore. They're just wrong from what they said back in November. You need to understand what's really going on with the companies, not with the analyst reports. Much more Mad Money, than it, including my Susan Waters, from the safety of the world's food to finding new pharmaceuticals. Waters plays a hand in it all, but does it have what it takes to add some gains to your portfolio? I'm talking to the company's top brass first time of Mad Money. Then this market share uh, has its fair share of wild traders, and I'm going to reveal what you can learn from this week's action. And all your calls, rapid fire, in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with. Now that the smoke is clearing what is clearly a very difficult period, how about a new idea that fits the current moment? I'm talking about Waters Corporation. This is a company that makes advanced measurement equipment primarily for the health killers industry, but also for the materials industry, as well as food and water safety. Now, we haven't been following this one closely, although in retrospect, that was clearly a mistake. After a couple of years of stagnation, Waters Corp brought in a new CEO in September 2020. Over the next 12 months, the stock roughly doubled, although since peaking last fall, it's pulled back substantially from its highest could be opportunity uh, because Waters Corp is basically an arms dealer to drug and biotech companies. It came to a couple of our favorites. Thermo Fisher, which we had earlier this week, Dan Hur, which I own for the Travel Trust, and Perkin Elmer. These are businesses I like very much. And we know they're doing well because they all reported excellent quarters. So these guys really have put up some numbers. Let's take a closer look with Dr. Udit Batra. He is the president and CEO of Waters Corporation to learn more about this business. I like it. Mr. Dr. Batra, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Great to be here. Well, I feel awful. I've always heard about your company. I've always seen it go up. A bunch of the people I talk to have said, why don't you have Waters on? And lo and behold, here you are. So if you don't mind, why don't you give us Waters 101? What we get if we buy a share of this great company?
5: Look, uh, Jim, firstly, thank you for having me. And it's great representing uh, over 7,300 of my colleagues around the globe. If chances are, if you've had a cup of coffee this morning, if you've had a bottle of water, or if you've eaten any food, you have uh, experienced something that our company makes. We assure that the quality of these things is second to none. So... We are roughly $2.7 billion globally, 20 billion in market cap, uh, have the industry-leading margins and uh, industry-leading uh, return on invested capital. Uh, and we, after sort of, uh, I would say, a very good run uh, for the last three, four years, had, uh, had slowed down in our growth and have since recovered. And I'm very, very happy about that.
2: Well, you know, I've been studying this, uh, this key product, Empower Software. It almost seems like it's a platform that uh, many, many drug companies use. I, I, I don't know if there's even a competitor to it. So why, why don't you tell us a little about that? Because it's a, the chromatography data system seems to be the uh, gold standard of the industry.
5: Sure, sure, Jim. Look, I mean, you described us very well. We have a razor, razor blade model, right? So we have instruments that we sell. And all, along with the instruments goes a software. And this software is Empower uh, that is used to submit data for any drug to the FDA, in fact the fda itself has empower on their on their network the advantage of having empower is you cannot anytime you make a change to uh, to to a sample it is recorded so the fda wants complete traceability from sample to submission, and that's what Empower allows you to do. In fact, uh, Lipitor was filed using Empower data, and uh, the two latest antivirals of uh, of Pfizer and Merck have used our Empower as well to file the data. Look, um, out of the, um, about 80% of uh, the, the molecules that were submitted last year to the FDA and EMA were using the Empower software. So Empower is basically an informatics software that allows you to get complete traceability from the time you test the sample to the time it gets submitted. So you have assurance that what you are, what you're getting is unadulterated data.
2: Well, now I get it. I mean, I'm working on drug development and I was trying to figure out how the FDA would trust what I did. And the answer is, is that I have to bring in waters or else they would say that perhaps it was tampered with.
5: Indeed. Indeed. That's a very good way of summarizing it.
2: Wow. Well, that is incredible. Now, a couple of things that uh, uh, there are people who feel somehow that you were a COVID stock, but that's wrong. It happens to be, though, that you were very involved in what people did, but people sold your stock off when they thought COVID was running out. In truth, it wasn't even that big a part of your business.
5: Yeah, Not at all, Jim. In fact, uh, we uh, have shown some industry-leading growth over the last couple of years. Uh, and that's despite not having any sort of COVID tailwind, right? And it, in fact, that is a benefit as you come out of COVID. So we don't expect an artificial trough after, after the bumps of the growth that we're seeing should sustain uh, in the future. And it is not to say that we didn't work closely with people who were developing therapeutics, vaccines, or diagnostics. Right. So for instance, uh, for the development of the vaccines, mRNA vaccines, these vaccines, these molecules get stuck on metal surfaces very easily. We designed a special surface so, you, so they don't get stuck on metal surfaces while you're purifying them and and, and and processing them. And this is a technology that has recently been launched. It's really gone up uh, gangbusters. Uh, it's the best launch that we've had for a consumable in the history of our company and really meeting an unmet need that came up through collaboration during the pandemic with mrna vaccine manufacturers and i already mentioned the two uh, small molecule therapeutic antivirals uh, we work very closely with those colleagues as well and they use our instruments and software
2: we had about 100 biotech support. companies that came public in the last two years uh, i all presume that they have they're trying to do trials they have samples but they're frankly if i were the fda i would say well, who are these guys I have to believe that they contract with you so that when the FDA sees them, they say, "Okay, they went through the right procedure. I mean, that is a remarkable position. We should be thinking if biotech's hot, Waters is hot.
5: Indeed, Uh, complete correlation. Right. I mean, our largest end market is pharma. So we grew grew close to 16 percent this year and the pharma business grew 19 to 20 percent. Right. And this is largely because of what you're saying. Really, the golden age for biotech. Golden age for therapeutics. And we're right in the mix with those guys.
2: And of course, biologics, too. So we want to be able to buy something that's less expensive, but we have to be sure it's checked out. Are you the guys who say, listen, it's within 80 to 120 percent? Because that's like some FDA rule. It should be within 100 percent. But you are the guys (laughs) that make sure that we at least get 80 to 120, correct?
5: Yeah, we develop the methods with our colleagues. And I mean, as an example, the fastest growing segment of the pharma space is contract manufacturers. These are people who get methods transferred from large pharma companies into their shops. We work with them to develop these methods to make sure it's not 80 to 120. It's more like 99.9% purity. (laughs) <laughs>
2: no, no, I, I shouldn't have known you. I mean, well, anyway, look, you've got a great company and I I, I see the stocks come down a bit. But it's never going to come in the way people want. They have to move now. Ever since you took it over, you've done a re- just remarkable job. I want to thank Dr. Udit Batra and Udit is the CEO of Waters Corp. It's W.A.T. Take a look at the stock, guys, down 12 percent and fantastic and consistent growth rate. Thank you so much, sir.
5: Thank you, Jim.
2: have Money's back to the break. Stick around, man. Make a suggestion. I would stay with him.
4: The lightning round is coming up next.
2: <laughs> it is time, it's time for the lightning round. So, 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 bye 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 and then the lightning round is over Are you ready, Ski Daddy? It's time for the lightning round Coming to start with Rory and Cowboy Rory
3: Hi Jim, hand it over to Rory
2: Booyah Jim Booyah Rory, kids got horse sense What's up? I'm
3: really good I have a couple of questions for Rivian R-I-V-A Is Rivian going to be the new
2: Tesla? Wow, good boy uh, no, I don't think so. I think that it's going to be a, a very unsexy truck maker. And I have to tell you, for us to sell its stock, why don't we buy GM? I mean, Barry Barr's doing a good job. If you want those vans, she's got a whole van division. I do it's a little old-fashioned. Let's give it a shot. Let's go to Brenda in Oregon, please. Brenda. Hi, Neho from Happy Campers, Arnborn on
1: the Oregon Coast, Jim. Hey, I invested my mad money in Gilead Science
0: based mostly on the therapeutic remdesivir and the ongoing pandemic. What do we do after this week's earnings? Buy, sell? I'm not hold. a fan.
2: I haven't been a fan. They're, they have what I call big hat, no cattle. And I like ones that have cattle. Let's go to Camille in Colorado. Camille.
3: Hi, Jim. I'm interested in your opinion on the outlook for AT&T after the spinoff of Warner Media and the reduction of the dividend.
2: Yeah, well, that's that's uh, small hat, no cattle. Uh, there's just not much to it. I uh, I'd rather see you in Verizon, which I thought Hans Versberger put himself very well when he was on mad money and told a better growth story. Let's go to Sean in Nebraska. Yeah. Sean. <laughs> Booyah, Jim. Happy Friday to you from yeah. Omaha. Hey, Love. we're super excited that the live in-person Coachella of capitalism is coming back to Omaha in April. I and mean, we hope you're coming out for that big party, Jim. We want to know if it's time to load up on Berkshire Hathaway shares, or is, it, is the train already left? I no, no, no. They are doing they are doing better quality work now than they ever have. I think the stock's just is just a superior, terrific buy. And congratulations if you're going to the meeting. That's going to be a great one. Let's go to Chris in Maryland. Chris. Hey Jim, how are you doing? This is an honor. Thank you for taking oh, the call. Oh, you're very kind. What's up? Well, I got, I got three points on United Airlines. I just want to run them by you and see what you think. The first is, I was talking to a good friend. He works, he's a sales guy for a big company. And I'm like, Brian, when are you going to start flying again? He said, You know what? We make more money by just doing Zoom calls, but as soon as one of my competitors goes and buys my client a steak dinner with some nice wine, I have to get on the plane, and then everyone else right. is going to get in that plane. Right. It's going to be an arms race. The second point is, you know, there's a Budweiser commercial in Super Bowl coming up saying, you know what, America, go travel. You've been cooped up too long. I think they got that right. But, but also, you know what? What's that? People go see family in Europe and, and yep. things like well, that. Well, not yeah. yet, but, but yeah. So what's the idea? Is it be a uh, United Airlines? No, I'm not recommending airline stocks for now. It's just too tough, too competitive. And that, ladies and is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
4: The Lightning Round is sponsored by T.G. Ameritrade.
2: You want to know how screwed up this market is? Some of this action is pure manic depression, and there's no other way to describe it. And I say that as someone with extensive family history of mental illness. There's a company, a big company, it's reported a slight miss last night, although it wasn't as bad as many people feared. The stock jumped more than 13% on the news. What was that company? It was called Amazon. Now, don't get me wrong. We saw a lot of good things in the quarter, especially from Amazon Web Services. It's gigantic cloud business growing at a 40 percent clip. With these results, we once saw, again saw how few companies have yet to fully embrace the cloud, though. Otherwise, Amazon Web Services wouldn't be able to grow so fast. Amazon's built a whole flywheel. Their retail business needs the cloud for speed, accuracy and low cost. They also broke out their advertising business for the first time, which shows that people search for products and then buy them off the ads. Ah, how many times have you done that? As I told Investing Club members today in our exclusive meeting, if you want some Amazon, and I think you should, you might want to go to a fractional broker and buy a couple hundred dollars worth. This may be the beginning of the next leg higher. By the way, they are very humble, and it is a delight. Still, the fact that Amazon stock is now simply back to where it was two and a half weeks ago, I mean, come on, that's a remarkable move. That's a sign of a market that's having an unbelievable mood swing. Now let's address the other side of the coin. Let's talk about Facebook now, meta platforms, which I'm calling meta Facebook. The stock sank like a stone yesterday because the sellers wanted out at any price. They didn't care if they got a bad deal and it's hard to blame them. Meta Facebook needs billions to develop the metaverse, something I'm very excited about. But it's not necessarily a sure thing. The Reels product is a dumping ground for TikTok videos. You do it on TikTok, you put it on Reels. They're, they're not going at all. Meta Facebook doesn't have the demand you see with Amazon or Google, for that matter, because they've been pulverized by Apple's new privacy rules. If you're using an Apple device, they can no longer track your online behavior. That's great news for consumers, isn't it? I mean, I thought online privacy was dead, but it's brutal for Facebook, which relies on that data for its targeted advertising. Therefore, can charge a higher percent of CPM. That said, I think it's too late. to give up on MetaFacebook at these levels. Some of that's because I don't like betting against Mark Zuckerberg. However, he is falling behind. And I'll take a quarter or it'll take quarter to see if there's anything worth saving here. The bogey might just be too high. So I wouldn't necessarily be a buyer down here yet, but I'm not. I am not precluding it. But man, how, how about the way it's trading? I like to watch the tape to see how kind of action it can't be stopped. Uh, and that's what happened to MetaFacebook over the last two days. Portfolio managers wanted it out so badly. That when it was at 237, they would tell the traders to sell it down to 230 just to lose the stock, get off the sheets. These sellers continue to be in charge this morning, but they finished at around 1115, which allowed the stock to rebound off its lows. That's a good sign, although not good enough until something changes. Finally, there's a great American industrial whose stock is looking like a bad tech company, and that's Honeywell. Here's a company that did a great job in a tough environment. Honeywell didn't have much else to say other than if they're going to have excellent organic growth in 22. The stock's been crushed because they're a part of Boeing. But you need to know that right now, at this moment, I am sure CEO Darius Damchek is figuring out what he can do to change up his portfolio and pick up something to turn the narrative around. Remember these names. Remember that if you contain your extreme losers, you could make a lot of money in all the extreme winners. This market, though, is plenty of both. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise trying I'll find it just for you right here on May of money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you next time. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.